0: Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. All right. First Sunday of 2024. Um, We're going to go to Scripture. Uh, We're going to be spending some more time in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 to 9. It reads as follows. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift that it is to gather as a people, to gather under your lordship, and we pray that you would speak to us as we come to your word this first Sunday of a brand new year. We come with expectant hearts. Lord, we're so desperate to hear your voice, to know your mind, to be changed by you. Holy Spirit, would you glorify Jesus, move in our midst, help us to see Christ more fully. We thank you, Lord, for the grace that you meet us with. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I've been... uh, thinking a lot about anxiety, um, as one should if you're doing a sermon series on anxiety. Um, <laughs> it's not the most fun thing to think about. Um, it's a complex experience. Um, to the experience of anxiety, the feeling of anxiety, um, it's not something that we look for. It's not something we enjoy or go seeking out. It's often something that we're trying to figure out how to manage, how to cope how to find a way forward, how to amass resources in order to overcome uh, and manage this experience that can be quite debilitating at times. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands, but maybe if you're down to give me like a little grin, if you've ever had, like, like difficult anxiety, you know, just like, man, I remember, (laughs) y'all the the most honest people in the world, it's like, a grin ain't enough, you know, like, me. Um, it's it's such a challenging thing. It's a complex a complex experience. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things I realized as I've been thinking about this that you actually don't really know a person till you know their anxieties, and the comfort with which to share your anxieties doesn't happen all the time. Um, we can stay in small talk-ville a long time. Um, oh, lovely weather, or oh, what about those Knicks? You know, just, we could stay there for a long time and never actually venture into the area of our souls where we say, this is something that I persistently worry about. This keeps me up at night. This can suffocate me. Why? Because it's not an easy thing to break into that kind of conversation, to go there. It's heavy. It's difficult. It requires trust. Um, But you never really know someone until you actually know what they're anxious about, what creates persistent worry in their life. But I'll take it a step further. You don't really know anxiety Anxiety is a complex thing until you take time to kind of break it apart and kind of get under the hood and uh, and ask the question, what's creating this persistent sense of worry? What's causing me to experience this like dread that's coming over me? Stress shows up in my life, and now I become anxious about what I'm stressing and what's causing stress. But what's causing that anxiety? Um, if you could just imagine, just, uh, just kind of pretend with me. If you could take anxiety and put it in a vial, the kind of vial that, that fills up if you go to get blood work. Um, if you could put anxiety and put it in a vial and go get it tested, the test results will come back And it'll say a lot of things, but it'll definitely say two things. It'll say two fundamental things that create anxiety. It's like two sides of the same coin, even though it's two different things. The first thing that will come back when you're trying to understand what creates your anxiety, what creates uh, a sense of persistent worry and stress, is that anxiety is made up of the things that we don't believe about God. Theologically, I'm not talking about from a psychotherapy standpoint, but theologically, from the lens of Scripture, one big contributing factor to anxiety is what you and I don't fully believe about God. Whatever you and I don't fully believe about God will become the breeding ground for anxiety in that area. So if you don't believe that God is your provider, that he will provide all your needs, then anxiety for finances and just provision as a whole is going to run rampant. Why? Because there's this big kind of theological hole in your heart and mind where the knowledge of God, his character is meant to fill and to be a safeguard and protect us and a strong tower that we could run into. But when we don't have a sense of who God is in these areas of our life, whatever area that is, and we don't fully believe it, persistent worry grows in those spaces of our soul. So one thing that anxiety tells us, it te- anxiety tells a story, one aspect of the story that it tells, it reveals what you and I have yet to fully believe about God. So think about what you're anxious about. Think about where you experience persistent worry. Because we talked about this when we looked at the text last week, that what Philippians 4, 6, it's, it's not telling us that we can't experience moments of anxiety. When it says, don't be anxious about anything, actually, when you get into the original language, what it's communicating is don't allow yourself to live in a constant state of anxiety, a constant state of worry. It's not saying that you and I can't have human moments where we feel anxious here and there, where stress comes, and now all of a sudden we find ourselves having a moment of worry. But no, this is telling us to not have a persistent state, a persistent, constant mentality of worry, because in that persistent state of worry, What's underpinning it, what's undergirding it is the absence of the knowledge of God in that area of our life. So again, identify what causes anxiety for you. And if you scratch the surface spiritually, what you will come up against is, oh, I actually don't believe this to be true about God. The thing that I'm anxious over reveals what I don't Fully believe about God. I remember uh, years ago I was uh, in this Saturday program that we had for kids at my previous church, where we would pick up hundreds of kids from our neighborhood. Uh, we would rent school buses and go to their homes and pick them up. And in many homes, it, it was like the parents were like they couldn't throw them fast enough to us. they were just like, "Here, take my kid," which is kind of crazy for me to think about. Like. They didn't ask much questions. They had no background check. They just wanted a relief from their kid. And, and here we were, church people saying, hey, come, we'll pick up your kids. We'll uh, teach them about God. We'll create fun game experiences. And we're filling these buses with hundreds of kids. We'd bring them to church. And then in that environment, we would teach them scripture. We would play games with them. We would feed them. And, and all, in, all in the, we would do all of this with the intention just to share the gospel to share the good news, to let these kids know that God loves them, that he's mindful of them, that Jesus has a plan for their life. I remember this one kid, he was really difficult. His behavior was just so erratic and and hard to control. You just didn't know what you were going to get from month to month. And sometimes it took a few volunteers just to kind of manage him. Um, But when you look if you took time to go beyond the outward external behavior, you would encounter a kid that was really wounded, really hurt. I remember one moment where those wounds came to the surface, where we were singing a song, where we were ascribing to God, calling God our father. And this little boy began a grimace. Whenever God was referred to as father, Because for him, father meant someone that leaves you. Father meant someone who would hurt his mother. Father meant someone who didn't want anything to do with him. I would imagine if I met that young boy today, there probably would be a lot of anxiety around trusting that God would remain faithful to him. That God wouldn't leave him that God would be present. That it would be difficult to trust that God is who he says he is because of the trauma that he experienced. A lot of times what we struggle to believe to be true about God is we struggle because we've had traumatic experiences. We've had painful realities that make it difficult to believe who God says he is. That's, so, so one aspect of anxiety is the absence of faith applied to who God is. Whatever you're anxious about, if you scratch the surface, you're going to come in contact with something that you don't fully believe about God. Will he be faithful? Will he be good enough? Will he truly care for me? Is he really mindful? Is he really with me? Does he really love me as he says he does? Will he really provide? Is he powerful enough Whatever you're anxious about, under the surface, there's something that you and I don't fully believe about God. That's one aspect. The other aspect of anxiety, again, two sides of the coin, the other side of the coin, it's not the absence of faith. It's actually the misapplication of faith. What do I mean by that? You could have really high faith, And still be really anxious if you place that faith in something that's untrustworthy. When I say misapplied faith, I'm describing you and I applying our faith, attaching our faith to things that will ultimately disappoint us. Have you ever had the unfortunate experience of being dependent on someone being your ride to get somewhere Who has an interesting relationship with time? Where this is the kind of person when they say, oh, I'm leaving in five minutes. Scientists have still yet to discover what that actually means. What what does that mean in your universe? Five minutes. Or "I, I just left home. And if you actually have their location, no, you didn't. You're a liar. You're still there. What is it like depending on someone like that? Oh, it's stressful. It's, it, it, you, you, don't, you don't trust with ease. You don't trust with lightness. You trust with anxiety where, where you're like, hey, where are you going? I'm, we're heading to the airport. Oh, that sounds great. You're going on vacation. That's lovely. Why do you look so stressed? Because, you know, John's my ride. That's why. I don't know when he's going to come. I don't know. Like, we might be running through TSA, you know. We we might miss our flight. When we misapply faith, when we put strong trust in weak things, anxiety brews. When we put a lot of confidence, when we put ultimate confidence, in things that will ultimately fail us, anxiety multiplies. And so, for some of us, as we're trying to locate the source of our anxiety, on the one hand, if we scratch the surface, What will come to the surface and say, oh, this is what I don't believe about God. This is what's causing my anxiety. I don't believe him to be faithful. I don't believe him to really be my provider, my healer, my miracle worker. But the other thing that will come to surface is actually I'm anxious because I keep putting faith in things that don't deserve my unyielding faith. Put your faith in a job for your confidence, your security, and you're putting your faith in something that will disappoint you. Because even if you don't get fired, that job could not remotely fill, the, like, the needs of your soul. doesn't matter how... Uh, some of the most empty, frustrated people I've ever met have amazing careers. Why are they still so empty and frustrated? Because that job is never going to scratch every itch in their soul. It's impossible to do so. And if you keep looking for that job to do so, it is going to disappoint you. And in the disappointment and the frustration, it's going to make you anxious. Some of us are anxious because we keep trusting people that have shown themselves to be untrustworthy. You know that saying, when someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Some of us need to start believing what people have shown us they keep lying. They keep disappointing. They keep not coming through. And you being gracious and giving them another time, another opportunity, that sounds great. Be gracious. Be loving. But know that that's probably contributing to your anxiety. You're trusting a bridge to keep you uh, you know, suspended and secure that's faulty. You name it. If we put our trust, our faith in things that will ultimately disappoint us, we're setting ourselves up to be riddled with anxiety. We talked about last week that this text, verse 6, when it says, don't be anxious about anything, that it's actually not telling us to not have a moment of worry, but it's telling us to not have a persistent state of worry, a a persistent, like, experience of worry. And for some of us here today... The homework that we've been invited to do is is to excavate in our souls where are we experiencing persistent worry? Not a one-off moment, but persistent worry. The type of worry that even though a new year has come and gone, that remains the same. That actually you've been worrying about that for as long as you can remember. What are the things that are creating persistent worry in your life? They reveal what we don't believe about God or where we're applying faith to things that will ultimately disappoint us. But wherever we're at, whatever's causing our anxiety, whatever's forming it, however we're experiencing it, God has a lifeline that he extends to us. No matter what your experience of anxiety is today, God has help he has rescue for us. If you feel like you're drowning with anxiety, God has a rescue for you. If you feel like you can't manage with anxiety, God has a way out, a way forward. If you feel like you can't cope, like you're suffocating, and anxiety just just surrounds you and just kind of like, like is on you like a heavy blanket, God has a way forward. And the way forward is absolutely beautiful. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Can we say those words together? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. God's help He follows up when he says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't allow yourself to live in a constant state of worry because that constant state of worry ultimately reveals what you don't truly believe about me and what you are believing about people and things that you shouldn't be believing. Don't be anxious about anything. And the way forward, the solution, the lifeline, the salvation that he offers to us in that state is that he invites us to pray about everything. The way forward, the way to manage, the way to cope, the way to heal, the way to progress, the way to find ourselves not suffocating and drowning from persistent worry is to find ourselves praying about everything and praying in everything. Say, what does that mean? That sounds very simplistic. What does that mean? And is that really, is that really it? Could it be that simple? If you're skeptical, if you're like kind of cautious to just trust that because you're like, I don't want to be disappointed. I really want to way forward. Anxiety is really messing with me. And I really want the solution, but this feels simplistic. This feels, I don't know, is this really what God is saying? Let's read this again. It says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Why would prayer be God's solution? How would prayer actually help us to walk free from constant worry? What does prayer do? How does prayer change our experience of anxiety? What does it mean to be praying about everything and to be praying in everything? And how does that help course correct this experience of constant anxiety? Let's let's dig into that. The reason why prayer is actually the lifeline that we need. This is not just like religious words or, or wishful thinking. Prayer Actually, has the capacity, the power, to break anxiety, crippling, constant worry, not because prayer in and of itself has any power. You realize, prayer in and of itself—if you—if you you and I, when we think of prayer, is I'm just saying religious words, and that's prayer. Maybe I'm reciting a verse of scripture. Maybe I'm I'm bowing. I'm I'm kneeling. If we think that prayer is some religious rote thing that we're doing and that's the answer to anxiety, that's not what actually delivers us from anxiety. The kind of prayer that we're being invited into is the kind of prayer that fully acknowledges the reality of God. In other words... Until you and I find ourselves praying about everything and praying in everything in such a way that our crippling anxiety, the constant worry, ends up having a collision course, a crash encounter with the reality of God, then anxiety won't be broken. But if you and I pray about everything and pray in everything and pray in such a way That whatever is causing us to have anxiety has this encounter with God, the reality of God. And now where I'm anxious and I don't believe he's faithful, all of a sudden I'm encountering his faithfulness. Where now I'm stressed and I feel like everything's going to fall apart. And now all of a sudden I'm encountering his sovereignty and that he holds my life in his hands. Or or, uh, there's a miracle I need, and and no one can answer the situation, and now I'm encountering the reality of a God who's limitless and all-powerful and faithful throughout the generations, and his word gives me ample evidence to trust him, even in the darkest, bleakest moments of life. When we pray in that kind of way, anxiety begins to break. We pray about everything and in everything. Because when we pray in that way, why it delivers us and changes our experience with anxiety is because that kind of prayer says something very powerful. It says, I am not carrying this burden alone anymore. I'm not trying to solve this on my own. You know the things that make us the most anxious are the things that you alone are carrying. You should be anxious about that. Is your wisdom, your resources, your skill set, your decision making. That's what we're trusting to make a difference. Man, I'm anxious for you. You should be anxious for me. It's us, it's me, you. You know what we're prone to do? How often we're prone to slip back into things that we should be walking free from. If it's resting on us, we should be anxious. But what we're being invited into is to pray about everything and to pray in everything in such a way that at the end of that prayer, you are not the one carrying that thing you're anxious about. God is. God is. We will remain anxious about the things that we alone try to carry ourselves but we will begin to walk free from anxiety to the degree that we keep placing things in God's hands and saying, this is not mine alone to carry. You will carry it with me. You will carry it for me. I love the invitation that we find in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Whenever you're feeling anxiety, that's a moment that God wants to trigger us to say, I should go and pray. Whenever we're feeling persistent worry, that should let us know, I'm probably not believing something that is true about God, or I'm probably placing my faith in something that isn't as faithful as God. And I'm being anxious. Because either one of those things are pulling me. And when you find yourself there, it's time to go to the throne of God. In everything, by everything, in prayer. That's God's help. Prayer, this image is really helpful for me. Whenever I'm praying about something that I'm anxious about, I try not to stop praying until I feel like in my soul, I've transferred something from me to God. If, if I leave prayer and I'm, I'm still carrying what I came into prayer with, then I just, you know, I, I spun my religious wheels. I went through the motions. But there's something different about just saying religious words versus actually encountering God in such a way where I'm handing it over to him. I went into prayer carrying it, and it burdened me, it worried me, it caused all types of fret, but now in prayer, I'm handing it over to him, and the moment I realized, he got it, anxiety begins to lift. Have you ever uh, babysat for someone, and maybe it's a niece, a nephew, or maybe it's a friend, uh, their kid? And it's fun, you're having fun, and, you know, especially if it was like before you had your own kids, and, oh, it's fun, and, and you know at a certain point, they're going home, you know, like, after this is over, like, like grand, grandparents love it, because they know, they get to play with their kids, it's like, now take them home, you know, they, they, they pay their dues. There's something about the moment that it's over. It's like, okay, did you have fun? to the parents, it was great, you had a good time, good date night, okay, fantastic. Here you go, they're yours, take them home. And when that door shuts and they're no longer there, you're like, ah. How many have ever had, I never like to borrow money, especially from friends. Because I could owe it to them for like 30 seconds, and those 30 seconds, it's burning through my mind. Got to get this to them. Got to get this to them. There's nothing like if you borrowed money and you give it back, you're like, did you receive it? Like, I'm a little annoying. I'm like, did you get the text notification? Did you get the email? Did the app let you know? Is it in your account? Do you have plans for it? Are you going to use the money now? It's yours now, right? Did you miss it? Are you glad you reunited with it? it just—I I just It's done, right? I just want an acknowledgement. It's done. The transaction is done. It's off my shoulders. I don't have to think about this anymore. We're told to be anxious about, to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, to let your requests be made known to God. What we're doing in this act of prayer, we're letting our requests be made known to God. We're given all these different aspects of prayer. We'll try to unpack that very briefly, very quickly in a moment. But I don't want you to miss the ultimate goal of Whether it's prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Whether we're talking about prayer when it says, um, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer, that word prayer in the original language, it's a very broad word that's used in multiple contexts that typically means like a general sense of worship. And so it's saying, don't be anxious about anything. The first thing you should do is live a life of worship. Constantly worship God. Constantly acknowledge his greatness. Constantly acknowledge how how awesome he is. Live in a state of just wonder and adoration toward God. So that's the first aspect of prayer that we're invited into. But the other aspect is prayer and supplication. Supplication is slightly different. It it means of asking for one's personal needs, supplicating. It's, It's entreating someone that's more powerful than you. You know, sometimes it's easier to acknowledge how great God is and not as easy to acknowledge how needy we are. We're needy. We're, We're utterly dependent on God. We can't do anything without His help. And in prayer, when we supplicate, we're bringing our specific needs before God, we're naming them specifically. But also, it says to do so with thanksgiving. And in the end, the end goal of all of this is to let your requests be made known to God. How powerful it is to come to a place and say, I don't know how this is going to get solved. I don't know what the solution is, but I've made God aware of it. He's on it. He knows about it. It's on his mind. When you and I walk with that reality in our hearts, it makes all the difference in the world to know God knows about this thing that causes me worry because in prayer, I let him know about it, but more accurately, in prayer, I came to acknowledge that he already knew about it. There's nothing that you and I are worrying about that catches God by surprise. Tomorrow, some of you are going to face some surprises, some absolute uppercuts that life is going to bring. You didn't see it coming. Guess what? God saw it coming. Right now, as you're worshiping him and praising him and being mindful of him, he knows what tomorrow is going to bring to you. And he's unflinching. He's unperturbed. He's not worried. He's still who he says he is. But in prayer, we come to a place where we make our requests known to God, where we acknowledge you are aware of this. This is no longer something I'm carrying alone. This is no longer something I'm trying to solve on my own. This is no longer something I think I can figure out on my own. I'm placing it in your hands. I have made this known to you, and I'm acknowledging that you have your eyes on it. To worry about something that we've entrusted God to take care of, is abs- it's quite insane to do so. It's a bending of our mind. It's, it's a form of like self-cruelty. We've trusted God. we placed it in his hands. We're acknowledging that he knows it. At that moment, you and I can give ourselves permission to say, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I've released it. That's the kind of prayer that we're invited into. To be specific with God. To make our requests known to him. To release what we're carrying, what makes us anxious, and place it in his hands. To acknowledge that he is mindful of it. That kind of path of prayer will bring us to a place where anxiety will no longer cripple us and cause us to be just stuck. But that kind of prayer as we close is not a one-time fix. I wish that there were things in our life with Jesus that were one and done. I wish you just forgave once. I wish you just worked through difficult relationships once. It's just like check, 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 and, and then you just get to the next thing. I wish you, you just had a battle with certain things just once, and that's it. When you're done, more often than not, the things that we struggle with, we struggle with almost like in a cyclical way, where. Along the path, along the journey, we find ourselves struggling with it again and again and again. You know, as we close, um, there's this experience that actually uh, I love, even though it creates a lot of anxiety for my wife. Um, I love when I'm uh, taking care of Brielle, if I have a day with her, like a Saturday or something. Basically, the day is spent, uh, she's three years old. For those of you who don't know her, she has Down syndrome. Uh, the most amazing human being I know. Um, and uh, for sensory purposes, she loves to just throw things on the floor. She loves the, the crash, the sound of it. And, and so and she has an amazing ability where if she walks in a room, it could be on the other side of the room, she will know there's a glass with water in it, Beeline to it. I don't know how she has this ability, and just whoosh. And so, by the end of a day of me watching her, it's like a water park in our you know living room. There's toys and stuff, and I am just going after her and cleaning up multiple times. It's the most futile experience. If you like to get stuff done, and like, it's the most, it's the least productive thing in the world. It, it's just. Insanely ridiculous. By the time my wife uh, walks through the door, I've already cleaned up the house like 30 times. And it does not fail. She walks in at the moment where I just gave up. Where I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just keeping her alive right now. That's it, that's all that matters. And the house is just nuts. And she's like, what's going on? It's like, you won't believe me, but I've cleaned this place up. 30 times already, and at this point, this is futile. I'm not going to keep doing it. She'll be in bed soon. Then I'll clean it up all at once, and we'll get to enjoy it, but I'm not going to keep cleaning this up, and it keep becoming a mess again. And in that experience, I realized how gracious God is to us, and that unlike me, God is never saying, I'm done cleaning up your mess. He's never counting and saying, I've only committed to do this just a number of times during the day. You've exceeded your limit. He keeps showing up and cleaning up the mess. He keeps showing up and being with us. With respect to anxiety, expect that it's going to be a messy journey. That you're going to have moments of utter victory followed by moments of just utter defeat. And it's going to be a long journey, a long path. And some days you're going to feel like you're making headway and you're seeing mastery over it. And some days you're going to feel like you're starting from scratch all over again. And the good news of our loving Father is that he keeps meeting us in the mess and he keeps cleaning it up with nothing but love, with nothing but grace. As I invite us to stand, if today you find yourself in a messy moment with anxiety, know that God wants to meet you right now, not in judgment. He wants to meet you in grace. He wants to meet you, to cleanse you, to heal you, to be with you. And throughout your journey, through the ups and downs, as you keep bringing it to God, giving your anxieties over to God, just handing them over, trying to walk free from it, God will keep meeting you in grace, in mercy, in love. Wherever you're at, know it's a long journey, but throughout the journey of us in everything, in prayer, by everything, through prayer, of not being anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer, We serve a God who meets us in love and mercy and grace and will continuously heal us and cleanse us and fix us up. As we close, we're going to prepare to receive communion at this time. And if you walked in today, if you did not receive a communion cup but would like to participate in communion All you have to do is just raise your hand real quick and someone will come by. So just keep your hand raised. Um, Folks are coming by right now uh, to to bring you the elements of communion. Mm -hmm. As we prepare to receive communion, let's have the bread in hand. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. That your word says, by your stripes we were made whole. And that the punishment of our peace was upon you. We thank you that your broken body is our healing. As you died in our place, we receive your sacrifice by faith. Let's receive the bread at this time. To receive the cup. Verse 25 says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for the grace and mercy that we encounter in the cross of your son. Your word says that you love the world so much that you gave your only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We thank you that in the shedding of his blood, we find peace. We find freedom from shame. We find deliverance and wholeness. Your life was poured out that we might be made alive, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we've passed from death to life because of your sacrifice. Let's receive the cup at this time. this time as the worship team begins to lead us in a time of prayer and confession and response, the prayer team is in the back, and they would love to pray with you regarding anything you would need prayer for, the words that were shared earlier, anything the message might have stirred for you, and so over these next few moments, if you would like prayer, all you'd have to do is slip out of your seat and go and receive prayer. With that, could I invite us, if you feel comfortable, could we raise our hands in the presence of God? we direct our hearts, our bodies, our minds toward him, acknowledging his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his favor that is with us all the days of our life, let's worship him in these next few moments. I lean